0: Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. The book of Luke, Luke chapter 22, we'll read the verses 31, 31 to... 34, or to 33, 31 to 33, Simon, Simon, look out, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Amen. Yeah. So before we we get to this portion of scripture, the previous verses give us a little bit of what had been happening before this time. And so before this time, Jesus and his disciples uh, had just um, gone to where they would have their last supper, and we can see that from verse 1 to 6. Uh, First of all, from verse 1 to 6, we see that Judas had agreed with the chief priests to betray the Lord Jesus. That is the first part of the the chapter. Judas had agreed with the chief priest to betray Jesus. And then we also see now the last supper I was just talking about a while ago that the Lord Jesus is going to be having his last meal, his dinner, his last supper with his disciples, which happens to be the Passover feast as well. And we see that from Verses 7 to 16. And and then as we keep going down, we get to see that it is also in this venue, that is 17 to 22, where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. It is during this time that the Lord's Supper comes into uh, institution by Jesus Christ. And so... um, Right after that, all of that has happened. Now the disciples get into an argument. Trying to find out who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. That's a dispute that breaks out amongst the disciples. Power struggle. Just like we were talking about Africa a while ago. These things are as old as mankind exists. Power struggles. We even see that amongst the disciples. And so here they are having this dispute, who will be the greatest in the kingdom, who will be the most powerful, and stuff like that. Verse 23 to 27, that's where you can read that, of the same chapter. But Jesus comes in with a solution to their dispute. And he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold it. Everybody's going to have something to do. Everybody's going to be somebody. Amen. There's nobody who is going to be greater than the other. You all are going to be seated in thrones and judging people. And judging the other believers. So there is no... This is not important here now. Amen. So Jesus comes in with a solution to their dispute. And this leads us to uh, our verses of focus tonight. Uh, when we read verse 31... Scripture says, that's Jesus speaking to to Simon Peter. He said, look out, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. You see, that is Satan's plans. That is Satan's job. 24-7. He has planned to ruin Peter's life and the lives of the other apostles. And so, you see, while the disciples, the apostles of Jesus are busy having a dispute, having an argument, a quarrel over uh, who is going to be the greatest, Satan is busy. He is working what he knows how to do best in the background. He is busy trying to ruin them. He is busy trying to sift them. He is busy trying to... Run, run them down. Trying to stop them from making the same kingdom they are trying to be great in. You're trying to be great in the kingdom? Well, that shouldn't be your focus. But here they are arguing over that, I want to be the greatest in the kingdom, and Jesus jumps in. And when we go down, Jesus tells, us, tells Peter that Satan has planned to save him like wheat. Satan has, his plans is to make sure you don't make it into that kingdom you want to go and be great in. And so, Jesus tells me that there is a problem here. You're there spending your time arguing about who is going to be the greatest, but there is a problem here because Satan is after you. Satan is coming after you, so don't, don't fool yourself around. You see, what is sieving? To sift something means to separate things, to set things apart, to set some things apart from each other. So you are not even sure, sure to make it through this, 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 this sifting thing, like we call it back in Cameroon, the sifter, where you, you shake it, you shake it, and then fine grain, like powder form, goes down, and the chaff stay up. And that is what is thrown away. That is sifting. That is the meaning of sifting something. And so that is what uh, Jesus is letting Peter know that Satan is, Satan is planning to do. And so, um, apart from, from all of these things, uh, Peter needs to understand that except he makes it to the kingdom... He's not going to be able to be the greatest, him and the other apostles anyway, except they are able to make it to the kingdom. And so this sifting may not necessarily just be the physical activity of it. It can also be the spiritual activities of the devil in our lives, bringing violent trials and attacks against us, So that we will get worn out, overwhelmed by these attacks and give up and not make it to the kingdom. That is the meaning of Satan has planned to sift you like wheat. That sifting is all the troubles we are going through in our lives and in our families at this time. Satan is coming after your marriage to cause trials. Satan is coming after your health. Satan is coming after our jobs. Satan is coming after our businesses. Satan is coming after our church. Satan is coming after our spiritual lives. Satan is all over around us trying trying to ruin us in one way or the other. That is it. That is the meaning of Satan that's planned to sift you like wheat. And you see, Satan asking to sift Peter like wheat is not the first time Satan is doing that. Satan asked to do that against Job. And God let him do that with Job. But thank God, Job stood his grounds. And so we see that Satan is working nonstop. So we should be concerned, like Jesus announced to Peter, we should be concerned about our lives, about how things are, happening, are going on in our spiritual lives, how things are happening in our our families, Satan may just be at work and trying to bring us down and bring our families down. He will do that through all of the painful things that we can experience in life. Causing pain, agony, just so that when we are tired and we cannot stand this anymore, we begin to turn to other sources, and eventually we will abandon our work with the Lord Jesus, and that way we will be destroyed. Satan is not preoccupied with unbelievers, Satan's target is believers, are Christians. That is his target. Sometimes we make the mistake to think that because we are Christians, nothing bad is going to happen to us. We make the mistake to think that those people, the bad things that are happening to them is because they are unbelievers. Right. Well, I'm so sorry. I mean, we are the most targeted as believers by Satan and his agenda. We, In fact, we are in his, always in his list. To be sifted. We are always on that list. And so sometimes things may be happening around us. And we don't know why these, are, these things are happening. Brethren, it's just because we are believers. And Satan is after us. He's trying to make sure. Uh, he's trying to see that we are no longer walking in the faith with Christ. Why would he be going after unbelievers? Those are easy to get. Amen. He doesn't even have to ask any permission To get them. He just goes for them whenever he wants them. He manipulates their lives and tells them like he wants to. He has to struggle to get us because of the covering, the shielding of Christ upon us. And so going after unbelievers, he doesn't have to ask any permission. It's not a struggle for him. And so sometimes we may get busy. Busy with trivialities like the apostles were getting busy with the trivialities of who is going to be the leader and who is going to be this or that in the kingdom, whereas the most important thing is focusing on what really matters for us, which is standing strong to make it to that kingdom. Churches many times get into some of these fights. We just get busy with all kinds of Things in church that really are not central to why the church truly exists. And then we are busy nutting our heads. We are busy um, fighting each other. And the enemy is busy destroying the church. Because that is what was happening here. The apostles, after having their lots about Jesus and they knew Jesus was going to go very soon, they want to know who is going to be great. And that's the symbol of the church, as symbolic of the church. They are fighting amongst each other. They are talking. They probably there was a real fierce argument going on. And while they are doing that, the devil is working. The enemy is busy. That's why the church finds itself where it is today. The church can never be wiped out by the devil, for sure. That's for certain. But the church is really struggling under the attack of the devil because we have been sidetracked. We have gone away from what is central to trivialities. And I think it's high time we start thinking about coming back. Now, let's go to verse 32, which tells us, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and and that's the first part. Let's, take, let's just leave that first part right there. And so you see, um, the only reason why you and I are still standing, the only reason why we are still in the faith today is because Christ is shooting us through the power of his prayer. It is not because we are strong. It is not because we, are, we know too much or because we were raised in Christian families or we have been in church for a certain number of years, it is because Christ is shielding us in his prayer. That is the only reason. That's, the only, that's why we can be here. That's why we can still call ourselves believers. There must have been, been things in your life and in our lives that at some point we thought, that, okay, I have gotten enough of this. This is not working for me. I'm just going to drop it and, and live my life. There must have been moments like that. And actually that has happened. And some people have actually given up. But if you and I are still here, praise Jesus for his prayers. Amen. It is because he is interceding for us. He is praying for us. That's what scripture, that's what scripture says in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. What does Romans chapter 8, verse 34 say? Do we have that on the board? Okay. That passage just tells us that God, that Christ is at the right hand of the Father, Making intercessions for us. Amen? Who is the one who condemns Christ Jesus? Who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is the. No, no, and that's the wrong text. Uh, something went. Something is not right there. Is that Romans chapter 8, verse 34? Okay, that's the wrong text. Well, I am talking about. The passage where Scripture says Christ is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. So while Jesus is telling Peter, I am praying for you, that is justified. That is even strengthened and buttressed in that passage that Christ is truly interceding for us. And so we can shake our shoulders and say thank you, Lord, because we are covered by your your prayers and intercession. Remember also, Jesus also said, no one can snatch us from his hand. That's what the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 28. Now, that is a guarantee. That is a guarantee for believers. And that's Jesus telling us that whoever his father has given him, no one, not even the devil, no matter how strong he is, he cannot snatch any of us. From his hand. But does that mean because no one can snatch us. From his hands. Because we are covered and protected. Does that mean we can just go about and live our lives. Just the way we want. No. For us to continue to abide under that covering. We have to stay focused. On him. Scripture tells us that he who. uh, Dwells in the shadow of the Almighty, shall abide under his, under his protection, right? So while we are believing and trusting God and knowing that Jesus Christ is the one who holds us strong in his hands, that does not mean we have to go about living our lives the way we want to. We have to stay focused so that we can be able to stay under That protection. So Jesus assured Peter, I am praying for you. And I have prayed for you so that your faith will not fail. And so the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. He fights that battle of our faith for us. All we need to do is no matter the diverse attacks we get under, we only need to stay focused stay focused and turn our eyes, turn to him, not to ourselves, not to the troubles. Because the plan of the devil is so that we can turn our eyes and focus on the troubles and just walk away, gradually drift away. Amen? And we don't want to focus on the trouble, but focus on the one that has given us that guarantee of preservation. And so if the battle is his, we know he never loses a battle. If there is any failure, because Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And so if there is any failure at any point in our lives, then the problem is not Jesus. Then the problem is definitely us. The problem cannot be Jesus, because we know that he is praying for us. So if he says, I have prayed for you that your faith might not fail, therefore your faith is not going to fail. And so if there is any failure, then the problem is not lying in, the fa- in, in Jesus, it's in us. Probably, you, we, are not, uh, we are not in him. We are probably trying to live the Christian life by our own strength. And if we live the Christian life by our own strength, we will fail. That's what scripture tells us in in the book of Proverbs chapter 24 verse 10. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the days of adversity, your strength is small. Not that God's strength is small, your strength, my strength is small. But if we hold on to Him and cling unto Him, we will still stand strong even in the day of adversity. Amen. And so by our own strength we shall fail and fail woefully. But when we depend on Christ, then it shall be well with us. Satan may toss us, beat us around, um, cause all kinds of issues in our lives, ridicule us, bring disgrace, bring shame to us and our families, whatever he does, because there are all kinds of ways he comes at us. But the power of his prayer keeps us through all of these processes. That is process. the saving the, process. The power of his prayers keeps us through the deceiving process. And so, we can trust him that he is praying for us. We can trust in his prayer. And then we will not be be sifted away. When we go to that second part of verse 2, he says, And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When God rescues us from the grip of sin, when God rescues us from the world, it is so that we can rescue others. It is so that we can fight for others. It is so that we can participate in strengthening others. He never rescues us just for ourselves. There are believers all around us. Just because they don't say it, or just because their faces are looking good, they're well made up and smiling, does not mean people do not have issues they are going through in life. There are many people struggling and that as believers, we need to be seeking them out. Seeking to understand what is going on in the life of each other and strengthening them. We were not saved to just be saved for ourselves. Probably somebody must have been praying for you, doing something just so that you and I could meet Christ or could see Christ or to get to know Jesus Christ. And that is the same responsibility we have. One towards Another. And so we are mutually responsible for each and everyone's spiritual vitality. I mean, it's it's my responsibility to be sure you are doing okay. Check on you. Pray for you. Give you a call when you're struck down or or when you need it. We do that with each other. That is the meaning of strengthening each other. You never know what people are going through. Someone can come to church one Sunday morning with an attitude and you're looking, looking at this person and just thinking this person is bad and should not be here. Whereas it's just somebody who needs help. Are we doing the work of strengthening each other? Jesus Christ told Peter, when you are turned back, strengthen your brother. So, verse thirty-three. While I go through these last few sentences, verse thirty-three, uh, we see there that Peter says, "Lord, I." Lord, he told him, "I am ready to go with you, both to prison, and to death." Okay. Peter really gets overly confident. On himself at this point. Especially with respect to his commitment to Jesus Christ. You really see that he is so confident about himself. He says, I am ready to go with you. That's how confident sometimes we sound. We accept. We, we, we think that we are strong enough. And we are powerful enough to, do, to be able to do some things by ourselves. That is some confidence without really any basis. That is emotion. That is just being flippant and just talk. Because we know the rest of the story, don't we? We can't follow Jesus Christ by our own strength. We don't, we we cannot, we can't. We just can't. We need to lean on him to follow him, we need strength from him. We need to lean on his prayer. I mean, if I were in Peter's place, I would say, by, by, by some help from you, I am going to go with you to, to prison and to death. Anywhere you go, I will go with you. That's why when we make declarations, We don't want to be confident. We don't want to lean on our own understanding. Scripture says, do not lean on your own understanding. In other words, do not lean on your strength. Do not lean on what you can do. You want to lean on Him. We cannot do Him without Him. We cannot do Christianity without Christ. We cannot do do Christianity without the power of the Holy Spirit helping us. We have seen Peter. He tried it. And he failed, but thank God, because Jesus Christ promised him He'll be praying for him. He came back to his senses. Hallelujah! He came back to his senses, and then he kept going. It is the same with us. When we struggle and we are cast down, we keep depending on Him, and He brings us up. He gets up, up, gets us up, and we keep going. We keep. Striving. It's, a, it's a pilgrim's progress. We will meet with things that will, will not be easy for us to navigate through, but his grace will help us navigate through those things. And so, yeah, um, we have seen that we can't get too busy with trivial things and forget about what is central. Because while we are busy with trivial things, the devil is also busy setting his traps to sift us. And we have also seen that we can depend on his prayer. And so the three takeaways, just three things we can take away from this mumbling here is, beware of Satan's continuous attacks. Number two, be there for one another. And number three, Believing in the continuous intercession of Jesus Christ. And so if you didn't take anything from all of these talks up here, these are the three things you want to take away from that text. Beware of Satan's attacks. Be there for one another. And believing in the continuous intercession of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. While we, before we pray, I will call on Pastor Daniel. Um, he has one or two things to say and to do, and then I will let him pray for us.